Hi everybody, this is Stefan Molyneux from Free Domain Radio. Tonight over 150 people are dead in Paris, France as Islamic terrorists, some armed with AK-47s, others acting as suicide bombers, attacked seven different sites throughout the French capital. The worst carnage occurred at the Bataclan Concert Hall with at least 112 murdered in cold blood. We can compare this to the Madrid bombings in 2004, where 191 were killed. In London in 2005, the death toll was 56. In Mumbai in 2008, 174 were murdered. BBC reports that the Paris attackers shouted, It's for Syria and Al-Hulu Akbar, but says that we really shouldn't speculate about the allegiance of the attackers. A man arrested in connection to attacks reportedly told officials, I am ISIS. This Paris terror attack was the second deadliest on a Western city since 9-11, and it was the worst since the Madrid train bombings in 2004, where 191 were killed. This is the deadliest terrorist attack in France since World War II. Parisian authorities were warning residents not to leave their homes until the situation is resolved. This is the first time this has happened since 1944. French President François Hollande says the borders will be shut down due to the unprecedented terror attacks. France's state of emergency laws reportedly allow for the government to operate with extraordinary powers for a 12-day period. 1,500 French soldiers are being deployed to the streets of Paris. The Paris police chief has said that all of the suspected terrorists are believed to be dead, though how he confirms this, who can tell? One of the assailants in Paris uses, used France's intervention in Syria's war to justify the attacks, said a witness who was at the Bataclan. The witness said, I clearly heard them say, it's the fault of French President François Hollande. It's the fault of your president. He should not have intervened in Syria. The assailants, the attackers, the terrorists also spoke about Iraq. And what was he referring to? Well, on Sunday, November the 8th, France conducted an airstrike on Syria's oil infrastructure, which was the latest of a series of military measures which began in September. In late September, President Hollande claimed that an ISIS training camp in eastern Syria posed a threat to French security and ordered it destroyed, accomplishing the task without civilian casualties, he claimed, at least at the time. France has been involved with airstrikes in Iraq as part of the U.S.-led coalition since 2014, but has previously restrained from attacking Syria in order to avoid strengthening President Bashar al-Assad. Apparently, the president's strategy changed, reportedly because of growing concern about the Syrian refugee crisis. This military action ordered by the president occurred despite a parliamentary vote against any such actions and national polling showing that 64% of the French population opposed military intervention. But hey, it's a democracy, folks. In February, ISIS released a French-language video warning France not to participate in U.S.-led attacks in Syria, claiming that operatives were within France who awaited instructions for attack. Quote, Islamic State fighters are deployed everywhere, and your nightmare begins now, along with the real war. See, for the past hundred or so years, and in particular over the past couple of decades, 
Western governments have been involved in a fantastically complex and futile and self-destructive program. It's a government program called, hey, let's bring peace and stability to the Middle East, which we'll talk about in a few minutes. Where does the French government sit in all this? Well, in 2014, France was the world's third largest arms-selling country, with their top customer being the United Arab Emirates. Good job, France! Europol, the law enforcement agency of the European Union, reported that France was the terror capital of Europe during 2013. Quote, a total of 152 terrorist attacks occurred in five EU member states. The majority took place in France, which had 63, Spain had 33, the UK had 35. In 2013, 535 individuals were arrested for offenses related to terrorism. Very similar to the number in 2012, which was 537. So that's two better. Most of the arrests occurred in France, 225, Spain, 90, and the UK, 77. A continuous increase in the number of arrests for religiously inspired terrorism has been observed since 2011. Now, the Bataclan Theater was a particularly horrendous scene. There was a rock concert going on. Ten horrific minutes when black-clothed gunmen wielding AK-47s, came in and calm, calmly fired and randomly fired at hundreds of screaming concertgoers. It's a pretty small venue. Only about 2,000 people can fit in it. It was a bloodbath, said Julian Pierce, a reporter for France's European, Europe One radio station. People yelled, screamed, and everybody lying on the floor, and it lasted for 10 minutes. 10 minutes, 10 horrific minutes where everybody was on the floor covering their heads. We heard so many gunshots, and the terrorists were very calm, very determined, and they reloaded three or four times. They reloaded their weapons, and they didn't shout anything. They didn't say anything. He recounted seeing 20 to 25 bodies on the floor and others who were very badly injured. Police sources later said at least 100 people were killed at the attack on the concert venue. Another witness said, gunmen shouting, shouting, Allahu Akbar! God is greatest, fired into the terrified crowd who had gathered to watch a concert. The man said he was lucky to be near the front of the stage as the gunman, wearing black clothes and wielding their AK-47s, opened fire. He said people started to try to escape, to walk on people on the floor and try to find the exits. And I found an exit, an exit when the terrorists reloaded their guns in the meantime, and I climbed on the stage and we found an exit. He said he took a teenage girl who was bleeding heavily and carried her to a taxi where he told the driver to take her to a hospital. As he was speaking to CNN, some of his friends were still hiding inside the theater. He said, quote, they're hiding in some kind of room in the dark, and, and they text me, and they're very afraid, of course, and they're waiting for the police to intervene, but it's been over two hours now, and this is terrible. We lay down on the floor not to get hurt. It was a huge panic. The terrorists shot at us for 10 to 15 minutes. It was a bloodbath. I don't understand what the problem is, you see. I don't understand what the problem is, people. You see, France has very strict gun control. So these must have been imaginary automatic weapons. Very strict gun control. Paris is a gun-free zone. I guess the terrorists learned that. So they didn't have to hurry. 
Later in the night, police stormed the venue. Three suspected assailants were shot dead during the assault. Now, I've been to France. I've been to Paris. I've had long conversations with people in Paris. So who has blood on their hands? Okay, the terrorists, absolutely sure. They have blood on their hands. But who else? Who else has blood on their hands? When I was in Paris and when I was talking to French people, I talked about the value of the West and the incompatibility of certain cultures with Western values. Oh, I was such a racist. I was a xenophobe. I was a Nazi. I was an Islamophobe. I was, I was terrible, terrible guy. Intolerant, horrible. And everybody who shouts down everyone who talks even a little bit about incompatible cultures, to put it as nicely as humanly possible, out of respect for the dead, everybody who shouts down everyone who raises one or two or three teeny tiny little red flags about incompatible cultures, if you shout down those people and you won't listen to reason and evidence and facts and genetics and culture and religiosity and history and combat, if you will not listen to history and reason and you shout down people who have legitimate questions and concerns about the compatibility of various cultures, if you shout those people down, you look in the goddamn mirror because you, too, have blood on your hands. They attack because of your permission and your inability or unwillingness to have reasonable discussions about civilized behavior. See, we have really one job in this world, you know. After we shower, shave, and ship, and after we get something to eat, and after we take care of our kids, and after we pay our taxes, we really kind of have one job in this world. And that job is not to necessarily go and see a rock concert. We have one job in this world. If we are civilized human beings, if we are strong and reasonable human beings who care about the struggle towards virtue in an increasingly darkening world, we have one goddamn job in this world, and that job is to fight evil. That job is to fight evil, and evil is not fought fundamentally through any kind of weaponry. Evil is fought with one thing and one thing only, and that is the courage to tell the truth. And I don't care if the truth is triggering to you, or if it makes you upset, or if it makes you bothered, or if it makes you feel queasy, or it makes you want to run for a hug in a safe room. I don't care. The courage to see and tell the truth about culture, about religiosity, about compatibility, about Western values, and groups that do not share those Western values do not share things like a respect for science, reason, and evidence, and philosophy, a respect for the rights of women, a respect for innocent until proven guilty, a respect for negotiation over aggression. You have one job in this world, and that is not to surrender to the cowardly delusions that have you avoid the necessary courage that you need to fight evil. Why do we have a decent civilization in the West? Lots of flaws, lots of problems. Why do we have a decent civilization in the West? Because our ancestors fought for freedom. Our ancestors fought against tyranny and murder. And it's our job to keep it going. 
That is the job. We inherit this incredible gift called freedom, called the rule of law, called respect for women, called peaceful parenting. We inherited this because people fought and died and darkened the skies with mountains of bodies to keep evil at bay. And we don't have to do that. We don't have to fight with weapons. We only have to stand up and have some uncomfortable dinner parties where we tell people the truth about the reality of the world. It's all we have to do. Nobody has to crucify themselves. Nobody has to throw themselves on a funeral pyre. Nobody has to garrote themselves with a fish knife. All we have to do is speak the truth and shame the devil. That is your one job. It is far less than what our ancestors did to achieve the civilization that we are so relentlessly squandering away in cowardice, in silence, in shaming anybody who speaks the truth about the world. We have one job to do. And the primary evil that we need to fight is the policies of our own governments, not people overseas. The very morning of these attacks, President Obama was talking about ISIS. I don't think they're gaining strength, he said. What is true is that from the start, our goal has been first to contain, and we have contained them. They've not gained ground in Iraq and in Syria. They'll come in, they'll leave. But you don't see the systemic march by ISIL across the terrain. Great job! You sound like you got a great handle on it. And please, for God's sakes, can we start... What is that old saying? The beginning of wisdom is to call things by their proper names. Yes, the beginning of wisdom is to call things by their proper names. They're not terror attacks. Terror is a word. It is not a word that is stampeding through Paris lighting up everything in its path. They're not terror attacks. I will help you with the word. They are Muslim attacks. Yes, they are. They're not terror attacks. They're not just terrorists. And they're not exactly native people. French president, what's the first thing he did when there was a terrorist attack? A Muslim attack. He closed the borders. Why? When there's a shooting in America, they don't close the borders because that's a domestic situation. Why are you closing the borders? Aren't you getting all these wonderful refugees? See, Europe is precious. It's precious. It's precious. We need to fix it. There's a lot in the Western culture and the Western civilization that we need to fix. And I have spent 30 years talking to people about this lot we need to fix, but there's so much that's right and is fixable. But Europe is precious, and we have to guard it with courage. The courage to be disapproved of, the courage to be looked at askance, the courage for people to say, I think that what you're saying is racist. I think that you're a xenophobe. I think that you're a Nazi. I think that you're a... Who cares? We speak the truth. We shame the devil. And I'll tell you this, when I heard about this news tonight, I was appalled, I was angry, I was scared. But I'll tell you there's one thing that I was not. There's one thing that I was not. And that is surprised.
Why? Well, it's pretty simple. Let's look at some dominoes. Let's look at a couple of dominoes. Okay, let's say that you um, want to create something like the horror that happened in Paris. Okay, let's say we just go and colonize a whole bunch of Middle Eastern countries. They don't have a lot of the Western traditions. They don't have that innocent until proven guilty. They don't have separation of church and state. They don't have respect for women's rights. They're brutal on their kids. And they have an extremely mystical and, let's just say, somewhat aggressive approach to spreading their religion. Say, for instance, you might have a religion like Christianity, which spreads by the word, or you might have a religion like uh, Islam, where if you decide not to be Muslim anymore, the penalty is death. See, I decided not to become a Christian at some point in my life, and the penalty for this apostasy was not death. So, go colonize a whole bunch of Middle Eastern countries. Then, use largely American military power to overthrow a whole bunch of Middle Eastern governments, you know, say in this post-Second World War period. Then, what you need to do is install puppet regimes very friendly to Western governments, the military-industrial complex, and just about every multinational corporation that wants to stick a giant ostrich hedge of straw into the ground and suck out all of the oil that the planet has to offer. Oh! I got a great idea. When you've done that, why don't you sell a whole lot of high-tech weaponry to a whole bunch of Middle Eastern governments so they can really oppress their people? What could go wrong? Oh, I got a good idea, too. If you're America, why don't you train and arm a whole bunch of Mujahideen in Afghanistan so that they can help overthrow the Soviet superpower that's invaded Afghanistan? Because Lord knows when the West invades Afghanistan, nothing ever goes wrong. Oh, then... You can invade, say, and destroy a whole bunch of Middle Eastern countries. You know, arm a bunch of rebels that turn out to be terrorists, arm a bunch of terrorists that turn out to be rebels. Just keep stirring all of that vinegar into the soup and throw in some magnesium, hell, Satan, sweat, and, I don't know, some nitroglycerin. What could go wrong? Oh, also, when you invade and destroy a whole bunch of Middle Eastern countries, really, really make sure you use the weapons that destroy the entire genetic integrity of an entire population. Then, after antagonizing a whole region of somewhat aggressive people, I've got a great idea. Why don't you invite millions of them to come and live in your countries? And if anyone has a problem with any of this, just scream that they're a racist, xenophobic, Nazi, Hitler, Islamophobe, whatever. Anyone who questions the wisdom of this, just shout them down. Oh, and finally, after you've done all this, I got a great idea. Why don't you make sure that everyone in your country is disarmed? Sound like a plan? Sound like a good thing to do? Great job, governments. <laughs> we really, really need to revisit what we are doing in the West. Our governments are out of control. Our debt is out of control. Our children are not educated. We have no cultural unity. Families are falling apart. Single mothers are popping out criminals like champagne at a socialist party. We got to do something. We are on the wrong path, people. Do you not see that? Do you not understand that? I know Fallout 4 is coming, but look away from the cats playing piano and stare into the dark heart of your dying civilization because it needs your help. 
the centre cannot hold, as the poem says, things fall apart. Everything decays. Entropy is foundational to everything, particularly virtue. That which we inherited, we are destroying. And I have spoken for 30 years about our need to fundamentally re-examine our societies. You can go to freedomainradio.com. If you want to find out more about this, i got a whole bunch of free books. It's not the time for that. I've been talking for 30 years about our need to fix what we are so hell-bent on breaking, uh, breaking the fragile, delicate spiderweb of civilization that has a trembling hold over the dark impulses of the black and human heart, this little spiderweb, this little tiny dewdrop spiderweb of civilization that we just want to smash through. For some pathological reason, we have taken the glories given to us by our, our ancestors, our ancestors who fought for the right for us to have a political voice, who fought for the right to women have political voice, who fought for the right for equality, who fought for the separation of church and state, who fought to end war, the Western European powers that ended slavery in the 19th century and extended the vote and did all of these incredible things so that we could do what? Pick our fucking noses and wipe it on the Mona Lisa of liberties we were bequeathed. We really need to rethink what we're doing and how many more bodies need to be laid out on sheets on the streets until... We focus on what we need to do, the one job we have, to protect and extend freedom, liberty, voluntarism, virtue, and property, and bequeath that to our children as it was bequeathed to us. I have been talking about this for years, and I've had some success. I have the biggest and most popular philosophy show in the world. You can check it out if you want. You should. You must, dare I say. I've been talking about superstition and its incompatibility with Western values. I have been talking about incompatible cultures. I have been talking about the need to defend freedom. I have talked about the need not to view everyone around the world as perfectly equal, like we're all just robots manufactured by some indifferent deity who just stuffs all the same things inside of everyone. Culture matters. Religion matters. History matters. Philosophy matters. I have been doing that for 30 years. And I have taken every sling and arrow and attack that you can imagine. And I'm tired of doing it without you. Because I can't do it without you. No one is coming along to save you. No one is coming along to stop bad people from doing bad things to you and those you love. It is your job. It is your job to protect your life, what you love, and those you love. I can't save you. The government sure as hell can't save you. The police... When seconds count, they're hours away. Disarming everyone can't save you. Turning all your money and power over to the government is only going to make things worse. It is your job. I've been saying that for years. And I put out a video, we'll link it below a couple of months ago, about the migrant crisis. Did these terrorists come from Syria? Were they refugees? We'll find out over time. I've been saying it for 30 years. I've been right. And I hate it.
You know, sometimes, I'll tell you, sometimes I really hate being a philosopher, particularly a very good philosopher, which I am. I really hate being a philosopher. Do you know what being a philosopher really means? Do you know what it really means? Being a good philosopher means always being incredibly sorry that you're so goddamn right. We really need to rethink what we're doing everywhere across the world, but particularly in the West. We need to wake up, view history, view what's going on, view the big picture. The government program called Let's Bring Peace and Stability to the Middle East is doing what all government programs do, which is deliver the exact opposite of what is promised. We need to think outside the box of where we grew up. We need to think outside the box because the box is actually a coffin. And we are running out of light.